Hey guys, it's Eric. I'm not leaving in the morning, but you know the rules when I go. No bitches after 11. Hey guys, it's Joe. It's funny how a man reacts when his heart has been broken. Some men break down and cry like a baby, and some others take an Uzi and climb a clock tower. Over the years, Charlie has always been there for his son. I don't want to have to bust a cap. <laughs> Until they discovered... You got a major screw loose. He wasn't all there. <laughs> now, the three of them... You might not have flown his thing. ...are out to save the two of him. I'm not through with you! We're coming, daddy! We're coming! Jim Carrey... He may have advanced illusionary schizophrenia with involuntary narcissistic rage, but he is a very gentle person! Me, myself, and Irene. Rated R. Friday, only in theaters. You're listening to Worth the Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Not bad, Eric. Not bad. How are you? I'm good. I got through that uh, intro read better than I did the last one. I, <laughs> I don't remember what... I was cracking up laughing last... for. <laughs> was it Anaconda? I, it was Anaconda. Was yeah. it the John Voight impression? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I couldn't couldn't keep it, but yeah. But other than that, it's good. It's you know, it's pretty good. Anything new? Uh, not really. No, it's. It, we, we, I'm sure you've heard all the AMC Thursday going to be opening up signing tomorrow, which is just in the back of my head. Like, what a crazy concept that people might be seeing movies, oh, and man. spacing. If you like, on the app, I was just checking out just to be curious, and spacing. They're doing it by rows, so you're still sitting next to people which I don't get. That's like the whole point of this is to obviously, like, you know, you think that they're going to block off two seat, every two seats or something or three seats, but no, they're blocking up just entire rows, every other row, which is so dumb. Man, it's the whole thing has gotten so crazy. I, I was over Adam, I was over at my best friend's house on Saturday and we started talking about it and we got into it and it's, it's, it's just it's so frustrating i don't like i it's not even i don't not a political thing or whatever but some people do things that i'm like it's it's just like if everyone played by the rules and i'm not a genius i'm not a scientist but but the one the people that are have said you know if everyone just played by the rules for like across the country and for however long say it's eight weeks 12 weeks i don't know we would probably be good but you know it's it's frustrating, and then and then you see people that have these crazy opinions and you know, whatever. But you know we're getting by. I don't think I'll be going to the movies anytime soon. But no, um, it's I I was part of the A list program where you get like three movies. I think it's a week or something like that. I forget for what it was now, but I just canceled it. I can't renew it for six months. But like I don't plan yeah. on going to the movies within the next six months anyways. I don't think so. It's like right. if that. So right. yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a downer. Yeah, the downer. We obviously, me and my dad, at the Bruins season tickets, and Bruins in the playoffs right now, which is going very well. <laughs> but uh, well, it's going well. This is um, uh, eight nineteen. So when we come back, well, this is episodes posted. <laughs> hopefully, they're still in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, on August nineteenth, they're still in the playoffs. They get eliminated in the second round. I, you know, what do you want, what do you want from me? But um, uh, not obviously, we're not going to games for the playoffs because they're in Toronto in the bubble. But I don't even know what they're going to do for for the regular season next year they i can't see they say they want to start like towards the end of the year if not the beginning of 2021 and I, you can't you're not going to be able to cram 19,000 people into the into TD Garden in you know what is 4 months like a no way so 
I don't know, but that's enough negativity. Anything, anything good going on? Uh, well, work tomorrow. We actually have so every Thursday we have like we do summer groups right now with high school kids with disabilities, and tomorrow every Thursdays we have guest speakers. Like we have a theme for each week now for yep. summer courses, and each Thursday we have a guest speaker come in and talk about that theme. It kind of like it's a different phase for the students. But tomorrow we actually got a hold of a uh, state representative Indy Vargas to join us, which we oh cool. man. So I love that about, guy. Yeah, he's super cool. So he's actually coming to us and talking to our couple of students, which is so cool. So it's like the fact that you agree to do it. And he, this, I think, we're, and we said we weren't talking politics. So I'm going to say, regardless this is positive, of your, positive, right. that's a good dude. Are you him no, no, no. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I was going to say is regardless of, of your politics, kids like him are what gives me faith in this country in general. Because like, like you said, you may not agree with him on every, I, I think I agree with him on, on most things but you may not agree with him on on every little thing but he's just such a nice kid and like the fact that he grew up in the city and joe and i are from northern mass northeastern massachusetts and he grew up in our city and and he's just made so much of a name for himself already at such a young age and such a nice guy so that's awesome what a what a great speaker to have for kids to look up to and and you know that's awesome good for you good for them so you want to you guys probably already heard the trailer but today we're going to be reviewing where we recently watched and we're going to be talking about me, myself and Irene, the Farrelly brothers film to go with it. I'm going to be drinking. Joe's not drinking anything. I don't think, but I'm, I'm going to be drinking. I have water. <laughs> Joe's going to be drinking a fine <laughs> Haverhill tap water. And I'm going to be drinking uh, from Newport craft brewing company. I was telling Joe before we started recording. So obviously this movie and pretty much every Farrelly brothers movie is, is set in Rhode Island and it's almost like a character. So I was going to just grab it. I was going to be lazy and just grab a Narragansett um, beer. But uh, I, I was about to do that. And I was in, oh man, I forgot the name of the place now. It's called RMA Craft Beer Cellar. I can't remember what the RMA means or stands for, but it's in Amesbury, Mass. And I saw this beer called Road Rage from Newport Craft Brewing Company. And road is spelled like Rhode Island, like R-H-O-D-E. And I was like, there is not a more perfect beer for me, myself, and Irene than, than Road Rage from Newport Craft Brewing Company. So double IPA, I'm drinking it. I like it so far. So yeah. Um, Joe, why did you pick me, myself, and Irene? I remember this being on my Fair from Carrie films. And while it's been a little while since I last watched it, I remember a lot of this film during the revisit. So the things I remembered liking, I still do, thankfully. So it's just more of a revisit, my love for Jim Carrey's performance in this film than anything else. So my first memory of this film, and I'll, I'll be honest, and I was talking about this with a friend of mine who's my age the other day. I did not see this movie when it first came out. It took me a while to see it. And I, I don't know why. I think I ended up seeing it like probably four years or something after, three or four years after. And it wasn't something that I wanted to see. It was like a friend was watching it and I had to watch it. So I don't know. We were both trying to figure out why we, the both of us, the two of us had no interest in this film when it first came out. We, we were like, I don't know if it's because our age, we thought of Jim Carrey as like dumb and dumber guy and in the mask, but then in Ace Ventura, but I love the cable guy. And I remember seeing the cable guy. So I, I have no idea, but I, when this first movie first came out, I just, for some reason I had no interest in it. So it was weird. So yeah, when I when I first came out, I my first memory is I watched it with my family actually, and 
their humor. Bad call, bad call Joe's parents. <laughs> How old were you in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like, this humor is very raunchy. So it's like, it's, I mean, it's, it stuck with me. I, Jim Carrey's performance stuck with me, and, this, and for a reason, one of my memories of this going into it is the soundtrack and how it was so good. And I still think I totally it's agree with that. incredible. So it's like it's it was that's my first memory is the soundtrack and just watching it like family is. <laughs> There's one band that's that I'm gonna get into. I made a note when uh, on the when we talk about the soundtrack that they gave some time to that. I'm like, it's a not a, not even a guilty pleasure of mine, but just like a hidden pleasure because not a lot of people are into them anymore but yeah no i love the soundtrack so um as far as how it was received besides people besides us um this actually i thought it would have higher scores for these two areas so 6.6 out of 10 on imdb 47 percent on rotten tomatoes and then i have a fun fact tied with a not so fun fact for the farrelly brothers so the, this movie was dedicated to the memory of movie critic Gene Siskel, um, which is nice. I think, you know, obviously he's a legend and in the business and everything. Unfortunately, that, did, that didn't buy them any points with, with Roger, though. Roger gave it 1.5 stars. And, and I, I took down a quote from Roger's review. Quote, Me, Myself, and Irene is a labored and sour comedy that rouses itself to create, a, to create real humor and then settles back glumly into an impenetrable plot and characters who keep repeating the same shtick hoping maybe it will work so roger i wonder if they could have i wonder if they told roger they were dedicating dedicating it to gene first or or if they wish they did because he was like yeah that's that's a nice gesture don't like your movie and he trashed it so um yeah go ahead this is one of those movies where i don't agree with roger ebert in this review so it's like it's one of those ones that's like it's so funny seeing his review and like what i thought of it going into it so it'll be fun talking about our final thoughts towards the if, end here. If he, Roger doesn't do well with raunchy comedy. I noticed, yeah. He, he, he can do immature comedy if it's like, innocent. this is just, I'm sure there are some exceptions to this, but he can do well, he does well with immature comedy if it's like goofy, you know, stuff, but he doesn't do well with, with raunchy stuff. It's, and I get it, I can only take so much of it myself, but this movie, thankfully, wasn't, a whole lot of it but like the, a lot of team comedies like the old high school comedies like i can see those movies just pissing him off with all the, like the dick jokes and whatever yeah 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 so um as far as what was going on in the time of the world so this came out in what it was june of 2000 right yes june 23rd yeah so as far as movie releases um there was really only two that are even well there was probably a couple other ones that you might you would remember but Perfect Storm came out and Shaft with Samuel L. Jackson came out. And the only reason I even wrote down, I wasn't even going to mention the Shaft thing, but uh, Samuel L., another thing that happened that month is Samuel L. Jackson got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So congrats, Samuel L. Um, Other things, it was a pretty uneventful month. Um, The Nets drafted Kenyon Martin, which I would have guessed was before 2000. I don't know when I would have guessed, like, maybe 98 or something like that, but that's what I would have guessed. And then the only other thing I wrote is Eminem's mom sued him over the song My Name Is. So she sued him for defamation of character, yeah. So that's funny because two things that um, like really put me where I was, like they're like markers for my life are Eminem 
like Eminem verse coming out in the movie The Perfect Storm, which we'll get into if and when we ever review The Perfect Storm. But you just no, no. I'm sorry. I thought you were. What were we gonna say? No, no, no. I'm the, perfect, I'm the Perfect Storm is a damn good film, by the way. <clears throat> it it is a good film. I, I mean, at, le- at least what I remember seeing. It's been a while, but before I remember, I really do. I did enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. No. So, um, but. So do you have the, the back of the DVD summary for, for this one? I do. I, did also, also, I want to point out, too, you mentioned the um, Samuel Jackson received his Walk of Fame song on the, uh, his, Hollywood song, his Hollywood song. Yep. Um, two days ago, Anthony Anderson actually received his, which I thought was perfect. Wow. Because, yeah. Again, so we're recording on August 19th. So if yep. this doesn't get put out until, you know, December 5th, <laughs> <laughs> he received it in August. <laughs> give, us, give us a break <laughs> all right so dv cover reads it's not unusual for unusual for two men to be in love with the same woman unless it's the same man jim carrey delivers a hysterical performance in this fall down flat out irresistibly deranged movie uh rhode island state trooper charlie bailey gates proves that nice guys finish uh first after marrying the priest gal in town but when she leaves him for another man, Charlie develops a split personality and his outrageous opposite Hank is born. Hank's got a filthy mouth and a bad attitude and a short fuse. When Charlie falls crazy in love with the beautiful but wanted Irene, he must wage war with himself for the confused Irene's affections. Yeah, that's a pretty good summary, I think. And the back of the cover is a big picture of the cow front and center. That's all you need to know. That's all you need. But yeah, yeah that, so- that, that pretty much sums it up for the most part. Yeah, Hank and Charlie gets heartbroken by his soulmate in the beginning, and then he's just kind of trying to find himself from there on out. One thing I read, um, kind of jumping ahead here, but well, we can go back in, in like the random facts about this movie. Supposedly, I wanted to get your opinion on if you believe this or not. Writers and directors Peter and Bobby Farrelly have said that they came up with the title before they thought of the plot. Besides the obvious, and this is a separate fact, but Besides the obvious reason for using the name Irene in the title, it is the Greek name for peace. Irene is also trying to make peace between Charlie and Hank. So just the first part of that, as far as them coming up with the name before the title. What I, do you th- I, I believe, I, I think sometimes like, if you have a title, you can work with that. And I've done it with some like short stuff that I've written, whatever. Um, so I think it's like, it's, if you have a title, if it's a good title that you think that could possibly sell, you kind of work with that. I think, I believe that the whole Irene peace thing. I don't know if they're, I don't, I don't know if they thought that far ahead. Right? I feel like that's a little too deep for the Farley brothers. So it's like, I think, I think I, I believe, I believe that if they had a title and like a very rough, I guess it depends on how you interpret the, the fact. If, if they had the title and like a very rough idea of what the film was going to be about, I believe it. But I don't, I don't understand why you would ever sit down and just be like, apples bananas and scooters and then make a movie <laughs> you well, know what it, i mean that's that's a saying though isn't it I, I i could be butchering it i think it's a saying me myself and i or something like that is that the saying me myself me and myself I? and i so i feel yeah. like it's like it's like a, almost like a play on words okay. with them so it's like me yeah. myself and i free <laughs> so it's like all right all right well we'll if we will ever get them on the podcast we'll, <laughs> we'll ask I, your career really dipped <laughs> yeah well then now we're not gonna get them <laughs> you just blew it but uh, so as far as the, the people going into this film, um, I, I only I really kind of focus on the on the two main characters. Well, I guess the two main characters are both Jim Carrey, but Jim Carrey and uh, Renee Zellweger. So 
this is our second Carrie film. We did, we did Cable Guy. And we talked about how Cable Guy was kind of another side of, of, of Jim Carrey when he made it. And, and I think this is yet another one. So starting in 94, he had The Mask, Ace Ventura, and Dumb and Dumber. Maybe the greatest year anyone's had or one of the one of the best years that an actor could have then in 95 he has batman forever and the ace ventura sequel so he's doing well there's cable guy in 96 which we talked about when we did that film people were it was a little too much too soon i think for some people as far as a, a change with jim carrey and then he does truman show in 98 god i love that movie yeah man on the moon in 99 and then this film in 2000 so I think, or I know, that some people wanted him to keep make making like those stupid slapstick comedies, which I love. But he's proven that he's a super talented guy, and and some people with some people will disagree with me. Like I know a lot of my friends just want Jim Carrey to be Dumb and Dumber Jim Carrey and 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 the match Jim Carrey and stuff. But um, he really is. A, a, he's got. A, he can do a lot, and 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 I think he he's a, he's turned into a great actor all around. So, and just what four years later he comes out with Eternal Sunshine, which is one of my favorite. I'm sure, I think it's yours too. It's a great movie. And he, that was I think four 2004. I think. Yeah, that sounds right. But that but that movie is a great example of. Right. It's his, there's a whole group of people who, if you were like, what do you think about Jim Carrey? They'll be like, oh, I liked him until he started making that stupid eternal sunshine type stuff, you know, like they don't, right. they don't want the person to be anything other than what they fell in love with them for. You see it with the musicians a lot. Like if you're a musician, musician and you come out with like one album that does really well, you're not allowed to change from that, that style for the rest of your career. Right. And it's lose, lose because so if Jim Carrey just kept making dumb and dumber and dumb and dumber and Ace Ventura and whatever people would be like, all right, we get it. You 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 can be a you know you can do a slapstick comedy, but then he tries to do different stuff, and you know so you just you know you can't win. So Renee Zellweger, we're gonna talk about. I'm gonna mention a few of her earlier roles, and then we're gonna talk about the role that matters that I think we both agree on. So Dazing and Views in '93, Reality Bites in '94, and uh, Empire Records in '95. Jerry Maguire in 96, which I think that's where she, I know those other films had success and whatever, but Jerry Maguire was like her launch into yeah. superstardom, I think. Yeah, uh, the really. Bachelor in 99, this in 2000. None of that matters until Cinderella Man. <laughs> For me. No, that's, that's absolutely, that's 2000, is that 2004 as well? Uh, four or five, yeah, I think you're right, yep. Yeah, no, you, that movie and she, her performance in that movie is so good. I can't wait to, we're going to review that movie pretty soon. I did not like, I never, not like I didn't like her as a person. I'm sure she's like the nicest lady ever, but I never really got the Renee Zellweger thing to the point where I think she was, if there was a movie that I was up in the air on and I saw that she was one of the people, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. But then I saw Cinderella Man and I was like, oh my God. She can I, act. Yeah. She can act. When yeah, did no, she, when did Bridget Jones, uh, Bridget Jones Diary come out? Was that because that was also a pretty big? I want to say that was like 2003. I'm going to guess 2003, but I could be, I could be totally wrong. 2004. No, it, oh no, Bridget Jones Diary was 2001. Okay. Bridget Jones: The Edge of Reason was 2004. So okay. and then she has a third yeah. one. You know, that movie's also kind of like that movie did really well critically, and like that also helped her career for sure. Yeah, you know what it is? Is it's like 
she has one of those and this is like a good and a bad thing for some people like i i could say this is why this is a reason i didn't care for her and then you could throw it in my face that there's a million other actors and actresses where i say the exact opposite is why i love them but she has such a, a distinct like voice and like i don't know way of carrying herself that I, I just didn't really, I don't really, I didn't really care for it. So I, I just, it was like, oh, it's the same person all the time. It's like why a lot of people don't love Jennifer Aniston. I like Jennifer Aniston. So it, it you know, it's like I said, I'm. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Playing both sides. But so yeah, it, more, and the more of the stories, Renee Zellweger is great because of Cinderella Man and, <laughs> uh, and other things and other things. She's Cinderella Man turned me though. I'm on, I'm on uh, the fan bus now. So. <laughs> And then, uh, so yeah, Jim Carrey and and, uh, and Renee Zellweger, as far as cast members, the Farrelly brothers, Dumb and Dumber in '94, Kingpin in '96, which I keep wanting to pick, but then I'm like, we've done a couple Farrelly brother movies already, yeah. and whatever. So eventually, we're gonna do Kingpin because I think it's so underrated. They have so many uh, nice classics, like oh man, something so about easier. Mary, yeah. And then this film, which. I keep talking about. I'm, I may have even said this on cable on the Cable Guy episode, but I keep talking about. Um, or it wouldn't have come up on the Cable Guy episode. No, it would have. Uh, Outside Providence, which I keep telling my wife we have to watch it because I remember thinking that movie was <laughs> like super uh, underrated and, and, and hilarious. But I would have to go back. It could be horrible. It could be trash. I haven't watched it since I was like eighteen or nineteen, but. So they, they had quite the 90s. And then this in 2000. And then honorable mention, Anthony Anderson. And I, and I just wanted to... Anthony Anderson is kind of similar to the Jim Carrey thing, but the other way around. So I think Anthony Anderson is a, is a pretty underrated comedic actor. And I think part of the reason is he's made some questionable career choices. Um, this is towards the beginning of his film career. 2000, he had Romeo Almost Die. Then he had Big Mama's House and, and this. He had some other, and but then he's in like The Departed, and he's playing a serious role in The Departed. So I think, I don't think he's like, you know, an Academy Award winner, but I think he's a pretty good actor who just made some questionable decisions. Definitely, but, he also has that show. Is it Blackish? I think on ABC. Yeah. Yep. And again, he has his comedy, and then he has drama. He plays both really well. Like, that's another show. Like, it's getting a recognition for sure, but hopefully he kind of carries on that. I, I wouldn't mind seeing him do some drama stuff, some dramatic stuff in his career as well. It's just like he can pull it off in this, in that TV show. So, yeah. And if that show, I think that show could be his, could get him that because a lot of times you get, when you do, when you do so many of these movies, like it's tough to make that first, or it's tough for somebody to take a chance on you. But if with that show could be his, his bridge to serious acting and getting real, real offers. So, um, some kind of just random facts behind the scenes, more, you know, stuff. A few of these are just uh, really a, about how weird and talented Jim Carrey is. Um, so I'll kind of get those out of the way first. In the scene where Charlie and Irene are push, uh, pushing the car off the cliff, Jim Carrey says on nine and counts to nine very fast. This was ad-libbed. And for a moment, Zellweger looks obviously surprised. And so I think he's kind of one of those actors. And I think I have another mention yeah the next one's mention of that too where he keeps everyone on their toes and, and you kind of always have to be ready and we've heard that about other films that we've, <clears throat> we've watched with him so um he also ad-libbed the moment when he asked his sons to kiss him before he leaves and if you i actually found that scene online and if you re-watch it one of them looks like completely like what the who is this who is this weird guy um 
The scene where Renee Zellweger kips, kicks Jim Carrey over the railing and down the hill was done by Jim Carrey, so he didn't use a stunt double. After many pleadings, he did take. Uh, it was a few takes, but they they used the first one. A mattress was used for him to pop back up into frame. So <clears throat> uh, that's good. This one is kind of like a, a a weird conspiracy theory thing. If you smoke enough weed, which I don't, but. In the scene where the boys were doing their, their schoolwork, one of them expresses his dismay to the fact that Pluto was classified as a planet. Sure enough, in 2006, scientists confirmed that Pluto is not actually a planet. So how did they know? You know what I mean? Even though like everyone kind of thought, well, not everyone, I didn't care, but <clears throat> other people thought that. Um, and then this one, you, Joe, you want to bring up the thing about the, the whistling? To songs? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I actually didn't know. I, I didn't pick this on until reading this, which I thought was super cool. Uh, I do remember in the movie, though, there are several moments throughout this movie that Hank whistles along with the soundtrack, but Charlie never does. This could either be a simple fourth wall break or it could be implying that Hank is somehow aware of the music. And it's true. because like, I was, I remember like the strange condition in the car, he's whistling to like the end of it, that dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, man, like it's so cool because like, it's, if they actually thought that far ahead again, yes, I and, agree talk about like and thought about the fourth wall it's such a cool concept i, I think there's that. i think there's two possible possible answers for that i think that's the more likely one that they thought of that and they told carrie to do it i also think it's possible that jim carrey thought of it and did it himself because they're both but i think the Farrelly brothers thinking of it is more likely because they have more control over the songs that are playing and and whatever but they're both like that weird. I think that I thought that was probably my favorite weird fact. And in that same scene too, this uh, Charlie throws himself out of the car. It was all done in one take, which I'm, I'm kind of bummed out. They actually cut that and like edited. So it looked like it was two different takes. Cause it would have been cool to see it all when done on one take with him being tossed out and then running back on the same shot. But right. Right. Yeah, no. And then um, the last one, and this ties into the soundtrack, which we, we talked about how much we liked earlier. So when Peter Farrelly chose the group, Hootie and the Blowfish to re-record the Orpheus classic, quote, Can't Find the Time, the sheet music that was provided by the song's publisher contained errors in the lyrics. Hootie recorded the song, uh, Mistakes and All, and it was not until the band invited the songwriter on stage during a show that they learned they had been singing the wrong lyrics the entire time. So I thought, A, I thought that was a cool fact, and then B, this is like a band that you're not, like it's, people act like embarrassed to like. I love Hooting the Blowfish and I've always loved Hooting the Blowfish and my wife is kind of indifferent on Hooting the Blowfish and then this summer this past summer we went to a show I was I was basically like I want to go see them I want to go see them come on come on and she just went because it was like a nice night and it was outdoor concert Hooting the Blowfish blew her away like they blowfished her away they are so if you if you ever if you're even like like moderately if there's one hooting the blowfish song that you like and they ever do another tour where it's hooting the blowfish like playing their hits i guarantee you go you'll love it they're they're such a good show so i gotta say i love darius rucker's uh he's a chris a few christmas songs that i very much enjoy so (laughs) dude he's so talented and he's so we over this past summer so not well not this past summer we haven't done anything this past summer but over the summer of 2019 we saw like a, or I saw it mo- most of the time she was with me. We probably saw like six of the bands that we were really into in the 90s. And Hootie and the Blowfish was by far the best. And the other band, which also has a song uh, on this 
soundtrack, which is Third Eye Blind, they seemed like the biggest tools I've ever seen live in like ever. But I will say they were amazing. It was like they came out and I was like, this guy thinks he's Mick Jagger. What a tool. But then five songs in, I was like, you know what, though? He's good. He's good. I don't like him. I don't like him. I'm sure he's a jerk, but he's he can play. So, yeah. I will say, wow. uh, I'll, I'll, I kind of want to bring this up. It's funny because you mentioned Halloween the Blowfish was up on stage singing the wrong lyrics. Uh, well, up until about 30 minutes ago, I was pronouncing the Frelly Brothers last name incorrect. So yeah. I was, Joe, uh, is a, Joe is Italianizing. <laughs> the Forelli Brothers. Joe is like, Bobby Forelli. I'm like, what? What are you like, talking about? So I'll end it. I'll end the uh, facts with one last solo fun fact here. Bobby Farrelly played job. the priest on the other side of the confession booth talking to Charlie and Peter <laughs> Farrelly made the cows dying gurgling sounds. So Good job. Know. Good you job. Like that? Names pronounced correctly and everything. So I was, I was, I kept repeating the name in the back of my head so I wouldn't <clears throat> butcher it. Yeah, you did good. You did good. You did good. <laughs> He's got a cue card written out in front of him. But um, do you have anything written down for non this millennium, like things that wouldn't fly? It's, we talked about before we started recording. It's kind of a tough. It is. It's like it's I, what I wrote down is there are race jokes, but they're not race jokes to completely offend anyone. I don't think. I think if it came out today, it would it would still be okay. I feel like because it's not the, the jokes aren't too in your face, but there yeah. are race jokes and they do happen pretty frequently, especially in the beginning. So I agree, and we kind of said it before we started recording. Part of it is you kind of know what you're getting into with a Fairly Brothers movie. Is not that they're like not that not that they're racist, <laughs> but that it's a stupid, ridiculous comedy. And then the other thing that I think helps it is how much Jim Carrey's character clearly loves his kids. And, and so it's, it's so, I mean, it's easy for me to say, but it's, it's so like pure for, you know what I mean? It sounds weird, but yeah, no. I, so yeah, there, is there, is there race jokes? Yes. Is there jokes about the vertically challenged? Yes. But <clears throat> it's, uh, it, I mean, for a movie like this, you have to kind of, push the limit a little bit and that's what they did and you know like i said if you if these same jokes were made in like a christmas movie a disney christmas movie that you had no idea was coming you'd be like what the hell is going on but yeah exactly so um what do you what was your favorite scene all right so um i loved once trying to hang with you are together and take the car to get to the irene this is when we were just talking about with like the one shot when he's jumping out of the car and uh, meanwhile, Irene's on the train trying to get safe as well, all while Pete Yorn's incredible strange condition is playing in the background. Yeah. And, and right when the scene ends, it picks right up again with another, another awesome track and Charlie racing, Charlie and Hank racing for the train and then approaching Dickie on the bridge as he's holding Irene hostage. I love those two scenes back to back together, and they were so fun. Uh, I also want to make a point that this movie might feature the best use of Carrie's body language, in my opinion. He's incredible in it, playing different personalities, and no one no one could have played this role other than yeah, him. No, true. Um, and his three sons were every bit as amazing as they didn't overuse them in the movie, making them annoying. The scenes they were in were brief, funny, and they moved the film along, making them more than just comic relief, which I appreciated. Yep. yep. But no, that's Pete Yorn. I'm going to make, I'm going to mention this in the soundtrack, but this movie brought me onto Pete Yorn and I love that song. I think that's a lot of the reason why I love that scene so much is it fits so well with the action that's happening in the background. 
Yeah. No, that's, that's all fair points. I, um, mine's kind of a weird transition from what I just said, like wouldn't fly in today's environment, but the, the fight scene between Jim Carrey and the limo driver, <laughs> when he pulls out the nunchucks and then it's like the, it's like the transition where he pulls out the nunchucks and then Jim Carrey is like slapping him. And then his wife is yelling at him. And then, there's like the Mensa conversation. The, the limo driver has a conversation with the, Jim Carrey's wife and they hit it off and then it transitions right into Jim, her, her giving birth to a baby that's um, clearly not his biologically. Like that the whole... Do- the doctors, the doctors, oh, oh boy, whenever they say the background, it's like they're like, <laughs> that's the baby yes. on. That, that scene, that sequence of like a couple scenes back to back, it, I was, I, I kind of forgot about this movie and that, that sequence, if you, I think that sequence sums up this movie better than, <laughs> than anything, in, in any other. So that was probably my favorite uh, scene or scenes paired together. Um, we we'll both talked a decent amount on the soundtrack. I'll let you do most of it. Um, I just want to, I had mentioned earlier bonus points for a song that I liked um, or a band that I like having cake in the soundtrack i love i love cake and uh they do hem of hem of your garment um it wasn't on the official soundtrack but it's in the movie and then also some hooting the bullfish third eye blind offspring uh very unreal 90s soundtrack but do you have anything else to add pretty much i'm gonna echo what you said for the most part so i as you already as we said multiple times i love the soundtrack the steely den covers ellis paul with the world and slowing down playing twice um xcc with i like that that I blind the offspring, Foo Fighters, and this film introduced me to Pete Yorn, who I still listen to today and have seen live. Um, I love the soundtrack, and it's a real shame it hasn't been released on vinyl yet. It's released in like six or seven different CD variations and a set, but nothing beyond that. But yeah, the soundtrack is, it's like I said, it's it's one of my memories going into this movie, and it all holds up. I think my uh, my memory of um, <clears throat> when I think of Steely Dan. This is what I think of, and we'll, this will come up when we review the movie because it's one of my, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. So we'll definitely do it eventually. But there's a movie that has a song in it with Steely Dan, and I first saw this movie in the late '90s. So this is before like Shazam, and all that stuff. So I remember I was watching the movie, and I was like, I love this song, and I think I wrote down the lyrics on like a piece of paper because I didn't know who it was, and so then I googled it later and it turned out that it was um romeo and juliet by steely dan and i remember my dad had a steely dan best of album and i don't know how i remember that but i like ran to his cd rack and i like grabbed it and i found out that it wasn't on that album and it was like the most crushing crushing blow of all time but the movies can't hardly wait <laughs> but um so which will which we'll be doing soon but uh, yeah, that, that's just that's my Steely Dan. Whenever I think hear Steely Dan, that's what I think of. So, so you're a big fan of the movie, clearly. It, yeah. But if you could change one thing, um, what would you change? I was kind of I didn't want to overthink this, but I think maybe giving Charlie and Irene less enemies to deal with would have been a good choice. I think they're facing away, they're facing the Crick Cops and Dicky, and in the end, Dicky didn't really have he wasn't really as much of a threat as he turned out to be. It was more like cops. So I feel like they could have like incorporated Dickie's character into one of the cops and just get rid of him altogether. And, you know, it's, I think they had too many enemies to deal with through all yeah. the runtime. I think that's, I think that's a, I think that's a good, a good call in it. And um, 
so I have that kind of ties into one of mine. And one of mine is that I would have done more, more time with Jim Carrey and his kids. Every time it was Jim Carrey and his kids, I was like smiling, laughing, whatever. So if you could, but the movie's almost two hours long. So like you got to cut something. So I agree with you that if you could have cut some of that out, that would have, that would have kind of two birds, one stone. If there was a scene that I could change, and I thought of this when I, like obviously when I, when I watched the movie, I was, <clears throat> I'm thinking of the questions that we usually try to answer. And the, the thing that pushed him over the edge where he's in the grocery store with like the, the woman in line and like the whole like magic clean scene, I, that, that was a weird choice for me <clears throat> to be, not like it offended me or I thought it wasn't funny. I wish that it was like it was something more personal that pushed him over the edge. But that's that's nitpicky. Like I, I even would I even would have liked it more if the guy in the barber shop, like the Lenny Clark thing where he's like makes him park his car, like that that would have made more sense to me, but that's just nitpicky. If I big picture, I would have just wanted more time. I thought every scene with Jim Carrey and the and the three kids was gold. I could have if they made a whole nother movie of just that, I would I'd love it. I love the idea of making them geniuses and like they really like it's just so funny like watching trying to figure out like how to fly a helicopter how to build a plane in the beginning like yeah it's, it was so fun watching like them trying to figure out you know school stuff and <laughs> if Jim Carrey is the best part of this film and I agree with you they're a close second like if, if you if you did like a percentage of like joy per second on film like they're 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 not in that much of the movie and every time they're on screen, you're like laughing or smiling or they're, they're awesome. So um, I think that's it as far as questions. So if you've listened before, you know, we rate stuff a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So a one is you watch it, you put it in your DVD player, your VHS player, you watch a minute of it. And then you're like, this is stupid. I'm returning it. Don't want to pay a late fee. Or a five is you're going to watch it a few times. Maybe have your friends watch it. You're willing to pay a late fee for a day or two maybe even just buy it from the rental store to, so you don't have to bring it back. Um, so it's Joe's movie, Joe's pick. So I'm going to go first, right? Yep. That's the way we do it. So um, I thought that this movie was so fair. And one thing I love about them is how much they, they love Rhode Island where they're from and they incorporate it into their films because, you know, Boston gets a decent amount of love now, obviously like New York gets a ton of attention and Rhode Island just kind of this weird state that's, its own little world and doesn't get enough attention other than from the Fairly Brothers. So <clears throat> I like that. Um, it's an interesting idea for the movie, for a movie. Um, I love the relate. Like I said, I love the relationship between Jim Carrey and his kids. I love how they're all geniuses. Supporting cast is great, both his kids and, and everyone else. Some of it got a little repetitive for me, like the jokes and stuff. And I, and I, like I said, I wish there was more time with him and his kids, but I liked it. Uh, not my favorite Fairly Brothers film, but I liked it. I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5. Okay. So I, before I get into the entire review, I always make a plug. And it's like, I don't know how to make a plug for this yet. But if you like movies about split personalities, and I think you should check out Mr. Robot. <laughs> you know, how has it, it not gotten in? I don't know. So I, like, I, I talk about, like, I, I incorporate that with, like, the dumbest, like, subtext like now i'm like this is my opportunity like, to really dig this show in like this is it <laughs> i haven't made any mentions of anyone being canadian and you hadn't brought up mr robot 
The podcast well. is <laughs> Well, you know where you know where Jim Carrey's from, Joe. Why don't you tell me, Eric? Why don't you tell me? Why don't you <laughs> I believe tell he's me? from Ontario, Canada. So one of Canada's finest exports, Jim Carrey. You started. I wasn't going to bring up the Canadian <laughs> thing, and then you brought up Mr. Robot. So, All right. So my review, this is, again, all personal. I don't know if it's nostalgia or if it's whatever, but I'd be between a 4 and a 4.5 back and forth. But then I was like, you know what? Screw it. This movie was in a critical darling. But it's a film that stuck with me, and I've loved it ever since. I, you know, it's, I think it flows pretty well for two hours, and that's a, and that's a pretty long runtime. I, I, don't I agree think with it's, that. I think it's a five. I think if this. Uh, you went from four to four, five to five. Wow. I was like, I was, it was, it was, I was looking at the reviews, and I was comparing mine. I'm like, I just like this movie with other critics. I think, and like that's the thing. Like, that's I, fine. I, I wanted to rate it like along the lines of other people, but I don't do that. But for this movie, I feel like I was just so out of like the loop with everything else. But I'm like, you know what? I'm like, no, I love this movie. I'm gonna give it a five. I've. I mean, it's, it stuck with me. The soundtrack stuck with me. But I, a lot of the, I don't know why. Like it's, it's the romance in it was great. I thought it's funny in a more raunchy way. So it's like kind of go into it with that in the back of your head. Plus, uh, it's I think the best version of Jim Carrey on display. He gets to show off his body language throughout the entire thing. Um, he didn't have a lot of his more like facial expressions but his body language was throughout it was awesome and the soundtrack is top notch for almost two hours like i said it flows very well i thought so it's well you can't you can't pay attention to the critics because with like a movie like this is it's too weird to ever get the respect you know what i mean like it's too right. stupid and like, I, I actually like look like you said i should look at reviews just like <laughs> kind of like see where mine falls in line but like my was like my, my, my love for this movie is way off everyone else's it's like that's what you said like my the reviews like you were mentioned earlier just seemed way too low i thought and like going to this when i looked up i'm like jesus I'm like 47 out of around i'm like this sucks but i'm like i don't know it's like this like you said this movie might be made for a specific audience yeah, no, and, and we always say with our reviews it's or with our scores it's it's how much you like it we're not saying that it's should have won an Academy Award or anything. Which right. do you think that this is your favorite Farrelly Brothers movie? I do. It's also one of my favorite Jim Carrey comedy movies. See, that's Jim. My for me, it's not my favorite Jim Carrey comedy movie. But and I don't know if it's no Dumb and I like Dumb and Dumber more than I like this. And I and I the other movie I I really like the two movies that I have to go back and watch are well. Kingpin, I I feel confident going back and watching. I think I'll, I think I will still like that. Um, Providence is the one that I'm like I have to go back and watch that because that's either going to be for me like a, a high score where I'm like I've always known this movie was great or I'm going to rewatch it and be like ugh what how what did I like about this movie? But the one thing about Outside Providence that I do remember and my wife will point out too because I'm wicked obnoxious with it is I remember Outside Providence having one of the best soundtracks ever for like. 70s classic rock and like 80s rock because we'll be driving and we'll hear a song and i'll be like oh this is an outside providence it's just like me. but i've never seen that movie so when we do end up doing it it'll be my first time watching it yeah no it's it's i keep i gotta get Bree's never seen it either so i've told her a million times how we have to watch it but i'll 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 figure it out and, and we'll we'll get it done so um the beer was great. Uh, Road Rage from Newport Brewing Company. Loved it. Loved that it worked with the, uh, like the idea of the movie as well. So moving on to the next film, uh, follow us on Instagram. Suggestions are always welcome. At Worth a Late Fee. We'll be back next week, and we're gonna. Uh, it's going to be my pick. So if you send in a suggestion ahead of me, 
um, you'll cut to the front of the line. But if not, this is what we're going to be doing. Um, Joe and I kind of talked about it and we, I try to go 80s, 90s, 80s, 90s. And my last pick was the 90s classic Anaconda. So, so I was due for an 80s film. And um, with, it's been like a weird time over the past six months where I kind of didn't want to do this movie right when it was too appropriate because I didn't want it to seem fake. And because of like, I'm clearly not the person that's most affected by the stuff going on. But long story short, we're going to be doing the 1989 uh, Spike Lee classic, Do the Right Thing. Um, we'll get into it more when we talk about it, but we're going to be doing it as two extremely white guys who have who aren't totally familiar with right. kind of some of the struggles of the movie but it's a great it's a it's a classic film and um and joe's also studied it in film school so he's he's got kind of a different view of it than i do and, and i think we're actually going to have kind of some different opinions of it so I'm, I'm excited to re-watch it and then talk about it with joe and get his his film school opinion so That'll be next up. Thank you guys very much for listening to me, myself, and Irene. And we'll be back next week or as soon as Joe's computer's fixed. Hey. Friday, guys. Friday. Friday of August. Friday. So by the time you get this episode, it'll be like Eric said, December. So by Christmas. By Merry Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.